Next Sunday is going to be Palm Sunday. Next Sunday counts the time when Christ comes into Jerusalem. But do you understand that before he went to Jerusalem uh, for this last time, he went there a time before. And he gave them a little taste of what they was going to see. Lazarus came out the grave. What you call, it was a, uh, what you call those movies, you know, the, what they sold those commercials for the movies. They call that what, a trailer? You know, the trailers show you the best parts. They don't show you the law and dove part. They show you the best part, hoping so you go see that movie. Even if it's a bad movie, they try to show you the best parts that they had. Jesus told, showed us the whole part, the best part of what's about to come, that he's going to defeat death. And that was so good. The Pharisee and the Sadducees got so mad that they said, we definitely got to kill him. And not just him, but Lazarus too. And, and, and so look, look here, we come now to John, the 12th chapter. Jesus is there the day before he enters Jerusalem. He's there the day before he enters Jerusalem. He says he comes to Bethany. He comes to Bethany, then he goes into Jerusalem. So while he's there in Bethany, there, there happened to, to throw a party in his favor. Why is that? Because it's possibly maybe because they're celebrating what he did with Lazarus. So he comes back. Different gospels, the harmony of the gospel says he was at, at the leper's house, John the leper's house. Here we find out that he's at somebody's house. But there's three people I want you to grab, grab notice of. Jesus, Mary, and Judas. Y'all with me? So pay attention to what they're doing and what they say. And see which one is you. I know all y'all want to be somebody, but sometimes we got to find out that we're not who we think we are. I'm hurting somebody. Just go ahead and say, Ouch. It's all right, because I'm hurting myself. Here we are. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany. Y'all see that there? Mm-hmm. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. Making sure there was no other, na- other Lazarus, but Lazarus, the one he raised from the dead. Not the other Lazarus that was sitting by the gate, having a dog licking his wounds. Not that Lazarus. But the Lazarus he raised from the dead. You see how the Bible specifics so you don't get confused. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar or a pound of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. My translation, the first word in number four says, but Judas, Iscariot. Look how they describe him, because there's another Judas in the, in the 12 apostles. But this is Judas Iscariot, the one who should betray him. Not the other Judas, but this Judas is the one who should betray him. Mm. That perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. That's what Judas said. You know, Judas, the one that did not care for the poor because he was a thief. Uh Uh-oh. 
And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Mm. That's deep, huh? Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Look at your neighbor and, 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 and it's, help me announce this title saying, my offering to Jesus. Look at your other neighbor telling my offering to Jesus. Next time, this is what you really got to question yourself. How much are you willing to give? Look at this. Look at how much are you willing to give? What she had was precious, so much so that the thief looked at it and said that it could really benefit the poor. But let's look at each of one's motives. First, I say, well, I want you to pay attention to three characters here in this text. They're not the only three characters mentioned, but these are the three ones I want you to take notice of. One, I said, was Jesus. The other one was Mary. The other one is Judas. First, let's look at Jesus. Jesus is counting down the days. The text points out to us he only has six days left. Y'all catch that? What would you do? If all you had were six days. That went over somebody's head. You're not really thinking about how short your life really is. Tomorrow is not promised. My question again, what would you do if you only had six days? And the thing is, is Jesus knew how he was going to die. He wasn't going to die a death. That was going to be celebrated. He is going to die a death that is embarrassing. A death that nobody ever would want to face. A death that the weakest and the lowest of the criminals would die. A death that was so pain and so suffering, it was the worst death you could have. A death that was done that when they said the word crucifixion, it was actually like a curse word. That if you said such a thing, it was taboo because nobody ever but beneath that, that's why it was foolishness. Because the Roman citizens would not die on the cross. But if you were not a citizen, you would die on the cross. But if a Roman did die on the cross, that means they committed treason. And then they would die that horrific death. We find out in the Hebrew writer, if you look in the book of Hebrews, it says, Cursed is he who dies on the tree. But yet Jesus is coming to face his enemies. Because he knows what they're about to do, but he knows what he came to do. And so with the six days left of his life, Jesus was still on what he was on the first day about his father's business. It doesn't matter how much time you have left as long as you're doing the father's business in the time that you have left. Because when we're not doing our father's business with the time we have left, then we're left trying to make up time. That left. You cannot make up time. If you don't have time to do it now, when are you going to have time to do it later? If it's past due, it's past due, right? You know, spoiled milk will stay spoiled milk. No matter what you try to do, it's late. It's past due. 
time is up. But we see here that Jesus knows that his time is coming to an end. But yet he is not missing out the time to teach us about him. Look how we learn at this lesson of his interaction with Mary. Many times in our text we can find Mary in the Gospel of John at Jesus' feet. She's at his feet when Martha was fixing the house. Again, Martha's in here serving. Martha do a lot of serving. She like working. Nothing wrong with that. But while she was working, she was trying to tell Mary to come help her out. Because Mary was sitting at the feet with the disciples. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Mary chosen what is better. Another time, Mary was at his feet. Her brother Lazarus dead four days in the grave. Jesus shows up. She falls down at his feet, weeping, said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But God, Jesus looks at and says, even those who die in me, yet they shall live. For I am the resurrection. And now we see Mary at his feet one more time. But this time she took a pound of expensive perfume or oil. You look at the other gospel, it says she anointed not only his head, but also his feet. Uh, the gospel John, right up, makes sure you look at his feet. What does that signify? One, it signifies that Mary was a servant. Only slaves dealt with feet. Somebody need to write that down. Only slaves dealt with feet. Look at when Jesus in the 13th chapter washes his disciples' feet. He points out to Peter, if you wash your whole body, all you got to do is clean your feet. The feet was all that was always getting dirty. They may be walking with sandals or barefoot, and dirt will get up on their feet. And so when they went to somebody else's house, it wasn't the host. It was the slave that washed their feet. But we see Mary willing to serve with all she has. She gave up a year's work of wages in a job. Come and look at she came with a purpose because it does not say they're at her house. So that means she came with what she had. That went over somebody. Let me say this, slow it down. I'm going to break it down. She knew Jesus was coming into town. And when she found out that she was in town, she brought what she had to give. Are you bringing what you have to give? Some of you say, I am bringing it, but God is looking at you saying, that's not what I gave you. Let me get real with you. You bring what you think you should bring. And people compliment you on what you bring. They pat you on your back. They say, you're doing a good job. And you say, yes, I am. But God is saying, I want that. And you said, that ain't got nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm giving you this. You open up your wallet. It's time for offering. You see a $20 bill and you see $1. You say, God, I'll give you this. We know what this is. Because you think I'm going to Red Lobster after this. But God said, I want that. And you said, I'm not willing to give you that. But I'll give you this. And when you just give this, God's not going to bless you with that. 
you see here, look what Mary came. She came with what she had. People were talking about what she was doing, but Jesus blessed it. You see how when you bring what you have, your best to God, people may criticize for how you're doing and using what you have. But Jesus can stand up for you and tell them, be quiet. Let her alone. She's doing what is right. See, Martha again was serving, but Mary was truly serving. Mary realized that I can pour what I have and anoint him. He says she is preparing me for my burial. Jesus is teaching now, I am about to die. Y'all missing it, but she knows what is better. You, 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 you Jew, this gospel points out that Judas, the one who's going to betray him, is the one who said that we could use it. The other one says the apostles were murmuring. But this one specifically points out who was the lead spokesperson of this and why. Mary's heart is open. She's giving all that she has to bless her Lord. She is open. Her heart's on her sleeve. There's no question about her motives. But yet, when you look at Judas, he's giving with false pretense. Somebody missed that. He has a veneer. Veneer is how you polish up wood so it doesn't look all bad and corroded. You try to put a glass and a glean and shine on it. Same thing with your car. You try to wax your car and cover to get the extra gloss and shine on it and prevent the uh, uh, other salt and other things in the world to corrode it and mess up. Because when the wax goes off, then it's going to rust. You find out how corruptible that metal really is. Judas had a gloss over him to act like he was self-righteous. Oh, we could have used this money to give to the poor. But look what the text points out to us. It's amazing how we learn about people after the fact. But this is here to let you know what is done in dark will come to light. Some of y'all thinking I've been good so, for so long. Nobody knows all my dirt. But eventually, it's going to come out. I know now y'all praying hard. Lord, please no. Lord, please no. That's why we need to realize that we need to repent and turn away. We, keep on, we can't just keep on chastising God by taking advantage of his grace. So we see here within this text here that Judas kept on taking what he liked out of the treasury. Another word for that could be embezzlement, misappropriating the funds or pilfering, just taking nobody's going to miss this. And now I want you to grab this real quick. This, this really uh, uh, woke me up in the text. This is a little side note, a little away from this, a little side note here. But look here. He's talking about a perfume and an oil that came out of an alabaster jar. It says in another text that she poured out, it's a pound's worth. It's worth 300 denarii. A denarii is a day's wage. So you do, you know, three, about three, so that's about a year's worth of wages. In other words, uh, she gave up $30,000. Somebody's salary, a year's salary, she gave up $30,000. And put it on Jesus' feet. Judas looking at what a waste. On his feet. But look how she was serving. I'm wiping it not just with a towel, but with my hair. I want to get close up to Jesus. Woo! 
she wanted to get close to her Savior. But look at Judas. He, he was giving on false motives, false pretense. He said, I could have used that to give to the poor. We could have used that. You remember the first I said I, right? That's what Judas was thinking. Well, I can do with this. Um, I'm going to jump forward ahead. So side note, jump forward ahead. How much did Judas, how much did Judas, how, for how much did Judas betray Jesus for? 30 pieces of silver. That doesn't even compare to that job. It doesn't even compare. So my, my holy imagination started running with me saying, if you could have got that money, he might not have betrayed Jesus. But then again, as greedy as he is, he's showing up with hat. Because it got to me because sometimes money is just never enough. Judas was never satisfied. He just kept on thinking how much I can get more and get more. We need to catch ourselves and realize that just like Mary, I need to give up what I do have so I can have more. That went over somebody's head. She gave up what she did have so she can have more. See, we say it all the time, but we don't hear the philosophy. A closed mouth never gets fed. But we always want to have our mouths closed when we come to God. How do we have our mouths closed? We have our mouths closed because we say, Lord, I'll give you everything but my job, my house, my car, my life, my wife, my children, everything. But, Lord, you can have anything else. That's a closed mouth. We say, Lord, bless me, but I'm not going to give up anything to you. When Jesus says, I am about to lay down my life, but you can't give up a TV. When we are so caught up in ourselves, we're not willing to bow down before him, pour out what we have on him, and wipe it off with our own head because we don't want to get close enough. But Judas realized that if I act like I'm good enough, people can believe him. Because look here, the disciples did not know he was a thief then because he was a good actor. Some of us got some Academy Awards at our house. We act so good, nobody knows who we are. We fool ourselves sometimes. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, you think you somebody else. Walking around like you somebody else. But when you walk with the people that know you, they let you know who you are. <laughs> Majority of you know me as pastor. When I go out to Carolina with my family, my name is Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, what you do? Come on in here. Because they know who I am. When we know who we are, we walk in that way. Judas was walking as if he was righteous and he knew better than everybody else. But Mary was walking humble and submissive to Christ. What is in your heart that is stopping you from giving it to Jesus? Some of us can't give up TV because it has such a strong hold on us that we can't give it up. Matter of fact, some of us are making sure we know what all the scores are during March Madness. Some of us make sure we don't miss not one day of our favorite episode or TV show. Some of us keep on going to the store buying more videotapes or buying more space memory cards for our DVRs or buying more subscriptions to other things just to fill up. But you don't give God enough time. You give God uh, 10 minutes of your time. That 10 minute time equates to your Time of prayer. Your time of prayer is, Lord, thank you for this breakfast. Thank you for this lunch. Thank you for this dinner. 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep it. That is adds up. But some of us need to realize that from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, that I need to give everything that I have to Jesus. You see, your character is measured by what are you willing to give. See, Judas' character was measured by what he took. He took whatever he could put his hands on. And some of us are like that in our lives. That whatever we can put our hands on, we take for ours. That's why we as a communist society, a capitalist society in our community, that we are raising our children with the wrong mentality, that one of the favorite words they learn how to say is mine. Everything is mine. You touch it, it's theirs. I want that. That's mine. It doesn't matter. So that's why I like doing reverse psychology. If they want, I don't want them to play with something, I'll go play what they should be playing. Oh, I'm having so much fun with this toy. Wee! That's what I want. That's mine. Here you go. Be careful with it. It's very special. And they play with that. Because I make it attractive to them. That's what the enemy does. He makes things look attractive to us that we should play with to distract us from what we should be doing. Somebody's missing. Look, look, look what TV. TV makes everything attractive. It's, it's so much sensuality on the television. It makes everything attractive. Everybody has short things, short this, short that. Everybody got a shirt off for here or shirt off that. There's so much skin being shown that there's nothing left for your imagination. We are living in a world where the, the, the devil is trying to cover everything up to make it shine and gloss and say it's all right. But yet, Jesus is letting us know that we should come humbly and low. How precious Jesus to you. He was so precious to Mary that she gave up the most expensive thing that she had. My challenge is for you. What are you holding on to that's so expensive that you're not willing to give up? Because many of us, we can beat down that rich young ruler. Say, shame on him. Jesus was offering him salvation. But if he told you to give up your house, would you give up your house? Some of you say, well, that's hypothetical, Pastor. No, it's not hypothetical. It's real. It is so real. He don't have to verbally say to you, give up your house for you to find out. All he got to do is say, you fool, today you die. Somebody not catching that. Go and read the Bible for yourself about that guy that like, had the bigger barn syndrome. Life was so good to me, built bigger barns, a whole bigger stuff. And God said, all that big stuff is gone because you dead. Don't try to hold on to what you can't hold on to. But this is what you can hold on. You can hold on to his promise. For his word is true. How do we know that his word is true? Look what happens here. He tells them that she is anointing me, preparing me for my burial. And let her remain and keep what she does have so at the time of my death she can use it. Don't we not see that in the text? Who goes to the tomb? <laughs> see, God knows how to make what we have be a blessing. Not just for today, but for the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Then God is able to perfect his word because his word is perfect. He told them, I'm going to die. And he died not just a death, but a death to set us free. And in the same place, Mary was willing to die to herself to be alive in Christ, but Judas was not dead at all. 
He was all alive in his flesh. Are you alive in your flesh? Are you still looking how you can please yourself? Are you still looking what's the benefit for me? Look, look at Judas, Judas' perspective. His perspective was, how can I benefit from this? Mary's perspective, how can I bless Jesus? Judas' perspective, how can I gain me a profit? Mary's look at, I give up everything at cost. Paul said, to die is gain. But we say, Lord, I don't want to die for you. We have to look at it. See, I want you to really grab every day of our life is another opportunity for you to die for Christ. You can die from cursing somebody. Or you can die from getting drunk. You can die from having a lustful eye. You can die from having a gambling attitude. You can die to this world but be alive in Christ. What is your offering to Jesus? I challenge you, as we get ready to celebrate Palm Sunday, just as they're about to, they're, they're going to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then they also are the same words that yell out even louder, crucify him. We flip-flop all the time. One day we say, bless you, God, you're so good to us. The other day you're cursing out your neighbor. It's time for the veneer to come off. It's time for you to give your expensive offering to him an extravagant offering to him it's time for you to remove all your false intentions and your motives the other word they use in the greek word is the hypocrite which means an actor and an actor will put on a mask portray something that he is not or she is not that's what we do we put on a mask portray who we are not when god can clearly see you behind the stage are you willing to give up everything everything are you willing to give up everything this is my challenge to you to go to your house if you don't have post notes you can use whatever scotch tape or tape and write down eternal and write down perishable and label everything in your house that's eternal what's perishable and find out how much your house is really worth. So you will find out that when your house burns down, your car gets into an accident, the window breaks, the TV fails. You'll find out all that stuff is expendable. But my life was bought by a price. My life is worth more than anything that can be measured because my life was carried up on Calvary. My life was nailed to the cross with Jesus. My life went down in a borrowed man's tomb. My life got up on that third day. My life is standing right now at the right hand of the Father. My life is forever in my God's hands. Are you willing to pour out everything that you have and find out you'll gain so much more. Are you willing to sacrifice to the Lord who sacrificed his life so that you may live? Are you willing? Ask your neighbor, are you willing? Are you willing? Somebody ought to answer. Say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. He is worthy. So let us realize that my offering to Jesus is everything that I have. Thank you, Father. 
Somebody need to say that my offering to Jesus is everything that I have. Uh-huh. Some of y'all locked down because you're not willing to give up. See, y'all mouth got, you see how y'all, your mouth got closed up? It got closed up, but you're not willing to give it up, but you want to bless you. Say, my life, Lord, is everything that I have. That's my service to you. I'm trying to leave you alone, but y'all not, y'all, I don't think y'all hear me. I want you to put, grab this. God created you. You did not create God. God made you for his glory. You did not make him for your glory. God created you for his glory, for his will, and for his purpose. So what things may not be working out in your life, you blaming God, but you need to blame yourself for not being in his hands. Because when you're in his hand, you can see how everything starts working out in your favor. Because I can believe God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Hallelujah. Good God from Zion. Aren't you glad that God can deliver you? So let go. Let go. And truly open yourself up for God. I'm going to close with this illustration. Let's share this in Bible study. We have good times at Bible study. Come on, check us out. There was a box a professor had in the class. And he gave this box to the students and said, destroy this box. Do what you want. So they took out scissors. They took out pens. They took out pencils. And their feet, their hands were badgering, destroying this box cutting it up, doing all kinds of things to it. And then the professor turned off the lights and put a lamp on and put the box over the lamp. And the light shined through the broken box. When we are broken, it gives room for God to shine through us. Mary broke what she had to pour it out on Christ, and she showed up with shining, because Jesus says, they will remember this. Will you break yourself before him so he can truly shine in your life? Let's pray. Father, we come to you broken as we can be, God. Lord, we remove our ego, our pride, our selfishness. Lord, we're sorry for allowing our, our desire to lead us and master over us. Father, Lord, we surrender all to you. Lord, we realize it's a daily attitude. We need to make our minds to make up to serve you and call you Lord and master of our lives. Father, Lord, we thank you that no matter what we are going through, whatever we are facing is not bigger than you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a healer, you are a sustainer, you are our protector. That when people speak against us, God, you'll stand up for us because we're standing in your will. So, Lord, cover us, keep us, and direct us. Lord, we lift up those who may not know you, apart from these sins, that they can come broken, hallelujah, and you can shine in their lives, almighty God. Father, we thank you for your salvation power. We thank you for your glory. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray all God's children say amen. 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 Tell somebody.